Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this weekend are just uh, fantastic, and they touch on themes that are just so basic to the spiritual life. So I'll just I'll just hit a couple of them. You know, the first reading from the book of Exodus, uh, I go back to the great Origen, one of the church fathers who did these marvelous sermons on Exodus. And he read the story of, of the liberation of the Israelite slaves as a story of, of spiritual liberation. And once, once you crack that code, the story begins to open up in extraordinary ways. And we're reading today now from the 16th chapter of Exodus. Can I urge everyone, you know, in these more... Um, reflective times of summer, you know, take out your Bibles and and read through the book of Exodus. It wouldn't take you all that long to read through it, much of it familiar. But with this lens over your, your mind's eye, namely, it's all about the, the trials, tribulations, opportunities, uh, joys, and dangers of spiritual transformation. So listen now as the first reading begins for today. The whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said, Would that we had died at the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt as we sat by our flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, but you had to lead us out into this desert to make the whole community die of famine. <laughs> First of all, I'm struck by that word flesh pot. It's, it's got to go back to the King James, I guess. I don't know any other time in the English language when we ever use the word flesh pot, but it's used... Uh, here and I, I love it because it's it's a very powerful um, symbol. Look, liberation from slavery is that a good thing? Well, of course. I mean, they were slaves for four hundred years, and finally they're liberated from their oppressors. They're marching toward toward freedom, and yet within I don't know days or weeks of their liberation, what are they doing? They're complaining about their lives and longing longing to go back to slavery. And you say, well, is this, how is this possible? Well, we do it all the time, all of us. Now, why? Because the road to healing is always blocked. The road to liberation is always a long and painful one. That's just the truth of it. Right? The road to healing, it's never overnight. It's always blocked. The road to liberation is always a painful, long, and difficult one. And so we start to say, you know, didn't we actually have it better when we were slaves? Now, what am I talking about? Here's the, the concrete example of, of the you know, actual physical slaves in, in Egypt. But think of now any sin or addiction, anything that we get enslaved to, so talk to anyone who's been enslaved to alcohol, right? And they've had the intervention. They've agreed, yes, this has wrecking my life and my job and my relationships. And yes, I'm going to walk the road to freedom from drink. Easy? <laughs> I've never met one person 
who's ever said that road is easy. In fact, when you set out on that path to true liberation, you enter necessarily into a desert, right? Struggle, it's difficult. It's not the way it was, not what I'm used to. Oh, how I long to go back to my buddies around the bar and enjoy a good drink. How I long to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt, right? How many times, talk to anyone involved in AA or 12-step programs, someone talking to his sponsor starts moaning and yelling and grumbling just like the Israelites. Why did you lead me out into this desert where I'm going to die of famine? At least back in the flesh pots of, of Egypt, at least when I was able to take a drink with my friends, I was kind of mildly happy, right? It's the resistance to liberation that we always face. You know what comes to mind here? Um, the very first Matrix movie. Now, this maybe is a little bit arcane reference, but remember the first Matrix movie. The Matrix is all about how people are being liberated from this false world, a world that's invented by, by computers, and they're, they're under the, the uh, oppressive control of forces beyond them and all this. But then a handful of them are actually liberated from that phony false world, and they're moving toward reality and freedom, right? But what's it like? Well, revisit that movie. They're living in this cramped, kind of crummy ship. They're eating. It's like this glop. It looks like, like oatmeal after four days. Their lives are painful. They're difficult. Well, one of the um, uh, denizens of that boat is seduced back into the old life. Remember, he's sitting down with two of the agents representing the old world. And uh, he's at this beautiful restaurant and he's drinking a glass of wine and he's, he's eating a, a piece of filet mignon. And he says, you know, I know all this is unreal. I know this is all an illusion. But oh, does it taste good? Well, see, what that scene represents is this, is the longing for the flesh pots of Egypt. Take me back, you know, to the way it was. At least I kind of knew what I was doing. At least I found some pleasure. No, no. When you're being liberated, so I've used examples of, you know, diet and, and, and um, uh, liberated from addiction. But see, friends, think every sin is like an addiction. When you've been liberated from a sinful pattern of life, now again, whether that's you're, you're caught in pride, you're caught in envy, you're caught in anger, you're caught in lust and all of its permutations and combinations, whatever it is, and now you've been liberated through grace, the road to healing is always blocked, not sometimes, always. The road to healing always leads to the desert, not sometimes, always. And so what do we face? We face the temptation to go back. You know, think for a second. Uh, maybe the thing I hear most often in the confessional over 32 years is, you know, Father, I'm, I'm just so critical of other people. You know, I'm, I'm so judgmental and I gossip and, you know, I'm mean-spirited. I, I badmouth people. I've recommended... You know, why don't you try, like, like when you're going on a diet and you say, you know, for the next week, I'm, I'm not going to eat any sweets, no desserts. I'm going to just cut out sugars for a week. Hard, by the way? You bet. Try it sometime. So I say to people, you know, as an experiment, try something. For two days, no judgments. Two days, try it. 
no criticism of anybody, that everything you say about another person will be positive. How about that for two days? Try it. <laughs> First of all, almost nobody can do it, you know, and myself included. I'm the worst of sinners here, right? But my point is, as you're going through that desert process, almost everybody at some level longs for the flesh pots of Egypt. Oh, how, life is so much easier, more fun, wasn't it? When I could sit around with my friends and we could, we could gossip, we could badmouth somebody. I took so much kind of joy. I know it was, I know it was perverse and weird, but I took joy in badmouthing people. How, how difficult, what a desert it is now for me to avoid these sins. But see, in fact, in fact, fellow sinners, listen to me. It's a walk toward liberation. Even though it's a painful walk, I know it's a desert walk, and I know we look back. That's why you know, think of Jesus, that wonderful, you know, someone that set his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, once you've set yourself on the path, go, press forward. I know it's hard. Okay, so what happens in the story now because of all this grumbling? The Lord said to Moses, listen. I will now rain down bread from heaven for you. Each day the people are to go out and gather their daily portion. Thus will I test them to see whether they follow my instructions or not. And then it says, In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning a dew lay all about the camp. And when the dew evaporated, there on the surface of the desert were fine flakes like hoarfrost on the ground. On seeing it, the Israelites asked one another, what is that? Well, you know, manahu in, in the Hebrew, what is that? That's where the word manna comes from. What does God give the Israelites on their desert journey? He gives them bread that will sustain them through the desert time. I know they want to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt, but that's not it. That's not it. And I know they're not where they're trying to get to, which is the promised land of, of pure spiritual liberation. And so in the in-between times, what does God give them? Manahu, what's that? He gives them this mysterious bread, which is designed to sustain them on the journey toward liberation. I don't know if you remember another movie reference now to uh, The Lord of the Rings. Of course, the novel written by J.R.R. Tolkien, great Catholic, a novel that's informed from beginning to end by a Catholic sensibility. Do you remember as, the, as Frodo and, and his band are making their, their painful journey to get rid of the ring? facing all kinds of obstacles and oh how, how many times they long to go back to the shire wouldn't it be great if we're just around the fire back at the shire what do they receive well the elves and the elves are always evocative and talking of the angels the elves give them this this um lemba what's the lemba but it's a special bread that when pressed between these leaves always retained its freshness and it could sustain you now over a long period of time, over a long journey. What's it symbolize? Well, Tolkien, especially in his time, they would have referred to the Eucharist as the bread of angels, right? The panis angelorum, the bread of angels. 
what's this this lemda symbolize? But the Eucharistic bread that the Lord gives us to sustain the journey in the desert on the way to liberation. What's the mass, everybody? What's the mass where we receive this bread that will sustain us even as we long for the flesh pots of Egypt? Even as we're still short of perfect liberation, we're given a bread to eat. That's why now just a a glance at our beautiful gospel from John chapter 6. Jesus says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures unto eternal life. See, what's eternal life? That's a symbol for pure liberation, isn't it? Pure spiritual liberation, eternal life. Don't waste your time longing for the flesh pots of Egypt. Don't waste your time on on worldly sustenance. Rather, while you're on the painful journey, eat the bread of life, and that will sustain you on the road to liberation. Hey, when you have a chance, go back to Exodus chapter 16. Read that section that's our reading for today. It's about the spiritual life of every single one of us. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.